Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. London, England in the 1850s was a very different place. As the country was industrializing, hordes of people were moving into the city from the countryside. But because there wasn't any kind of public transit or urban sprawl or suburbs, everybody just kind of crammed into central London and the West End. Back then, the neighborhood of Soho, which is in the West End, wasn't the bustling entertainment district that it is now. It was kind of a slum. Residents lived in overcrowded, tenement-style housing. They had poor sanitation. There were sex workers lining up and down the street. There were cow sheds and slaughterhouses, and they would dump these rotting remains into the open sewer system. And then, in 1854, the neighborhood got hit with a mass outbreak of cholera. Cholera is a truly awful infection, and when it's severe, it can kill a person in just hours. The first thing is you get hit with nausea that lasts for hours, and you can start vomiting, and then you get racked with diarrhea. In deadly cases, the diarrhea and vomiting is so severe, it rapidly dehydrates your body until it just gives up. Cholera still plagues people to this day. There's an outbreak happening right now in Yemen, impacting tens of thousands of people. And in 1854, hundreds of people got sick with this horrible disease, and more than 600 people died, including small children and babies. Authorities and doctors at the time couldn't do anything to stop it because they didn't actually understand how cholera spread, and they wouldn't figure it out for more than 30 years. But there was one man who discovered how cholera was spreading much sooner, and he proved it in a way that changed public health forever. This is Science Solved It, and today's episode, The Map That Changed the World. Welcome to Science Solved It. Motherboard show that explores the world's greatest mysteries that were solved by science. I'm Kaylee Rogers. Today's episode is a little bit different. It's a historical story, so the solution is fairly well known. You might already have an idea about how cholera spreads. 
But the show is not just about the solutions to mysteries, it's also about the science behind them and the process that scientists go through to help us understand the world. So that's going to be the star of today's show. And speaking of stars, let's meet the main character in this story, Jon Snow. Not, not that Jon Snow. Let's just get this out of the way right now. If you're a fan of Game of Thrones, Jon Snow is already a very meaningful name for you, but that is not who I'm talking about today. However, if it helps you to picture our young doctor as a dashing, brooding watcher on the wall, be my guest. The real Jon Snow was balding, with mutton chops, you know those like thick sideburns that go down to your chin? I guess that was cool in 1850. Jon Snow had a distinguished face and... He kind of looks a bit like he could be related to Woody Harrelson. Jon Snow was an anesthetist. That's a really critical piece of information about him because what it meant was that he knew a lot about gases and how gases behave. That's Sonia Shaw. She's a journalist and the author of a number of books on infectious diseases, including one called Pandemic. This one looks at the world's history of contagions, including cholera. Sonia is currently in India working on a new book, so I spoke to her over Skype. We are in the mountains in the western Himalayas. So the power sometimes comes and goes, like it was just out 10 minutes before you called, but then it came back on. So anyway, just just so you know. Sonia is very familiar with Jon Snow's story. She told me that he was a prominent doctor in London at the time. And he was pretty prominent in the city of London. He actually administered to the queen during her labor. He was her anesthetist. So he was a pretty well-placed guy in the sort of London medical establishment. Jon Snow was in his 40s when the cholera outbreak in Soho emerged. But he had lived through several previous outbreaks, including one a decade earlier that killed more than 14,000 people in London. But these outbreaks were a relatively modern phenomenon in England. Pandemic cholera started in the Sundarans in the Bay of Bengal, so in what is now Bangladesh, and that started around 1817. And then it kind of slowly went up with traders and soldiers and travelers, came up into Russia, and then slowly filtered into the cities of the Old World, which were, of course, rapidly industrializing. Cholera had just arrived in the mid-19th century, 1832 or so, arrived in, in London and Paris, and really took advantage of that. By the time the Soho outbreak began in 1854, doctors in England believed they understood how it spread. It must be transmitted through stinky air, they thought, which is called miasmus. For thousands of years, Western medicine had held that contagious diseases were carried by what they called miasmas. And these were essentially smelly odors that rose up from decomposing organic material. So from a cesspool or from a marsh or a wetland or something like that. As I said, Soho back then was very different than it is today. The sewers were really just open air troughs that ran along the sides of the streets and dumped all the waste into the river. Many of the houses didn't have any indoor plumbing, and instead they dumped all their waste and dirty water into cesspools, which are basically just a hole dug into the ground where you dump your chamber pot. A cesspool is a hole in the ground that's a chamber, you know, an underground chamber that holds human waste. 
Well, really, it could be any kind of waste, I suppose. <laughs> could have an animal cesspool, too. I think we do have those. Because of all this, Soho was stinky. It smelled really bad a lot of the time. And since the cholera disease was spreading so easily, doctors figured people must be breathing it in through germs in this contaminated air. And it's really not that crazy of an idea. But John Snow, well, he was an anesthetist, so he knew a thing or two about gases. And something about this theory just didn't add up to him. He knows how gases move around, right? And he understands that, well, when you breathe in a gas or a miasma, which is a gas, you know, according to theory, what gets sick is your respiratory system. You breathe it in and you'll cough or it'll be acrid or you'll have some respiratory symptoms. But what he could see with cholera, which now seems so obvious, with cholera, it wasn't your respiratory system that was getting affected. It was obviously your digestive system. If people were breathing in contaminants, you would expect the disease to impact their lungs. But that's not what cholera did. Cholera went straight for the digestive tract, as evidenced by all the diarrhea and vomiting. John was like, this makes no sense. There's something else going on here. He thought the miasma theory didn't make any sense. But this was kind of outside of his area, because he was an anesthetist. So kind of investigating this new disease wasn't his main bread and butter or anything. But he did this kind of amazing investigation. When we come back from the break, we'll discuss how John proved the actual cause of cholera and how his discovery is still influencing public health today. Hi guys! Vice Media is a lot of things. It's a TV channel, it's a TV show, it's on the web, but at the heart of everything is our magazine. That's where we started. We have a podcast for our magazine. It's hosted by Editor-in-Chief Ellis Jones, and it's kind of like an expansion pack to each month's issue. David Gibbons, the equipment manager for Vice on HBO, tells us the story behind an item he picked up at the Freddie Gray protests in Baltimore. This artifact is weathered, spherical, dirty, and fractured. They bring on contributors to talk about how they got the story and kind of go beyond what's actually made it onto the page. I want to tell a human story about someone, and whoever comes across that story, I want them to care. It's a really good deep dive. If you're a fan of the magazine, if you're a fan of anything Vice does, you'll really dig the show. Check it out. It's called the Vice Magazine Podcast. Welcome back. In 1854, when this cholera outbreak was killing people in droves, Jon Snow decided he needed some proof that this rotten air wasn't to blame. So he got an idea. See, Jon didn't live very far from Soho, and he noticed that a lot of the outbreaks seemed to be emanating from one particular street corner. There are records from that time. Jon wrote, Within 250 yards of the spot where Cambridge Street joins Broad Street, there were upwards of 500 fatal attacks of cholera in 10 days. So John, with the help of a local priest, started to go door to door and asking people about the number of residents who had gotten sick or died at each building during the outbreak. Then he tracked all that data on a map. Picture a simple street map with a box representing each building, like you're looking down on Soho from above. Inside each building's box, 
John added a line for every person who had lived there but died from cholera in the last few weeks. So in some boxes you have a dozen or more lines, and it creates this sort of thick black stack that fills the square. In other boxes, there are only one or two lines. And when you look at this map, a pattern emerges of the disease's spread. It's like a ripple effect emanating from this one street corner. The buildings closest to the corner have a lot of black lines. The ones beside them have a few less, and so on and so on. The results were striking. There's a clear pattern, and it's all emanating from this one street corner at Broad Street and Cambridge Street. And what was on that street corner? He found that I think it was 60% of the people who had cholera had gotten their drinking water from this one pump on Broad Street. A local water pump. Everyone who had gotten sick was going to the same water source. And contaminated water made a whole lot more sense than contaminated air, since cholera strikes the gut. John was able to figure out that the water source had been contaminated by a house next door, where a sick baby's dirty, diarrhea-filled diaper had been tossed into the cesspool and leaked into the water source. And he actually tried to find out, did something happen to this particular pump? And he discovered that there was a partially blocked cesspool near the shaft of the pump. And in that partially blocked cesspool, the family who used that cesspool had dumped their baby's dirty diapers. And this baby had been sick. So he reasoned that that was sort of the the thing that contaminated the entire well. So everyone who drank out of this well was getting sick. John was psyched with these results. Clearly, you could see on the map, contaminated water was to blame. It wasn't the air at all, and the way to stop the spread of cholera would be to clean up the water supply. He quickly spread the word to other doctors and health workers in the city. This is how we can stop cholera, you know, it's in the water. But they completely shrugged him off. They were so convinced that the bad air was to blame, they wouldn't give John or his map the time of day. They basically told him, You know nothing, Jon Snow. Sorry, I had to. It wasn't until the 1890s, years after Jon Snow had died, that scientists and doctors began to realize that he'd been right all along. The bacteria that causes cholera lives in water habitats around the world, and it's totally a normal part of the ecosystem. But when it gets into the human water supply, it can be very dangerous. And it still plagues many places around the world today. The thing is, Jon Snow and his map are somewhat legendary now. In the world of public health and in the world of data visualization, a lot of people like to point to this map. It's often dubbed the map that changed the world. But the truth is, it didn't really do much of anything at the time. It's only in retrospect that we can appreciate the science John was doing. But we do appreciate it now. And it's an important reminder of how hard it can be sometimes to accept new information when it goes against what we believe. It kind of just got lost in this sea of almost, you know, competing scientific theories that were being published around that time. I couldn't talk about Jon Snow without speaking to at least one Londoner. My name's Julie Hill and I work as an artist and curator based in London. A few years ago, in honor of what would have been Jon Snow's 200th birthday, Julie curated an art exhibit that helped people engage with his work and his lasting legacy. 
She told me that while a lot of people are familiar with Jon Snow's story, it can sometimes be difficult to place it in context of our modern world. But she said that she thinks it's more relevant than ever. What I personally find quite interesting about it was it was at this really interesting moment in history when you you know the birth of kind of the modern city I suppose and you had this growing public health movement and this proliferation of information about disease and how to cure it and so there's this kind of weird superstitions almost which kind of flourished around and cholera being something invisible I suppose that you know they could obviously see the destruction it was causing, but they couldn't detect the kind of bacterium. So it kind of spawned all these kind of crazy superstitions and beliefs about the disease. The fact is, cholera made its way to England through colonialism and a more connected world. As we become increasingly more connected these days, we'll encounter new disease outbreaks, and they'll spread even more quickly. That reality makes Julie think that we might be able to learn something from Jon Snow's story. These days, I mean, obviously moving maybe towards sort of like the idea of a world city. So, you know, there's going to be other epidemics that come along and bearing in mind the cultural superstitions that we might live by that might kind of act as barriers to science. This is a topic that's on a lot of people's minds these days, not just in science and health, but everywhere. How do we change people's minds? And why are facts not enough? How many people's lives could have been spared if the powers that be had just heeded Jon Snow's warning? These days, more than ever, we need to remember these lapses in judgment to avoid making the same mistakes again. We need to trust science and facts, even when they fly in the face of deeply held beliefs, even when it's hard. Because when science solves a mystery, but nobody cares, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. Science Solved is a production of Vice Media and Motherboard. For regular updates on the show and to see the map itself, plus a photo of Jon Snow, visit motherboard.vice.com. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and rate us. It helps new listeners find us. This episode was produced by Kaylee Rogers and me, Tim Barnes. It was edited by me, with production assistance provided by Shamika Lywood, Emma Griffith, and Ben Sullivan, our editor-in-chief of Motherboard UK, and a wonderful Jon Snow impersonator. Our theme music is by Reximus. You can tweet us at ScienceSolvedIt. We're always happy to hear feedback. Thanks so much for listening. Next week on Science Solved It. Soon after this this cartoon aired, there were hundreds of people who went to the hospital, mostly kids, complaining of convulsions, headaches, and vision problems. And immediately there was panic because people were terrified that, you know, what, what's this cartoon doing to us, right? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.